Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, September 9th. I'm your host, Mike Perry. Thanks for tuning in. So this week has kind of been the proverbial calm before the storm. Now, next week, we will get the August CPI data. And then the week after that, the Fed will meet for its September meeting. This week, I'm you know, pretty quiet, at least as far as uh, any big economic news here in the United States. Now, there was some big news over in Europe. The European Central Bank raised interest rates another 75 basis points yesterday. This is a huge hike by ECB standards, but it's still basically spitting into the ocean when it comes to battling Eurozone inflation. You know, it's worse over there than here. The official CPI in the Eurozone is running at a record 9.1%. This hike brings the Eurozone interest rate to 1.25%. Now, given that the beginning of the year, it was below zero, that's obviously pretty darn significant, but the real rate is still 7.85% negative. That's not going to slay 9.1% inflation. Now, The ECB is really between the same rock and a hard place as the Fed, but the hard place may be even harder over there. I think their economy is even shakier than over here in the United States, especially given the issues that they're dealing with in terms of energy. Um, The Ukraine-Russia war has really impacted the um, natural gas supplies over there. So, you know, their rate hikes are only going to slow down this tepid European economy even more. And of course, it's still not going to kill inflation. So really kind of the same situation over here, but maybe on uh, a little bit higher dose of steroids. Now, one thing to kind of keep an eye on over here uh, is the fact that these rate hikes by the ECB could strengthen the euro a bit in relation to the dollar. Of course, a lot of central banks are playing catch-up with the Fed when it comes to rate hikes. The dollar has been absolutely red-hot over the last month or so. It actually hit the highest level since 2002 this week. Uh, We've seen dollar index numbers over 110. And even with the ECB rate hike news, it still gained a bit yesterday. We were still seeing this dollar strength. Now, you can thank Jerome Powell for that. Uh, He's still out there talking tough on inflation. But uh, this morning, interestingly, the dollar has been correcting a bit, and that's given gold a boost. The yellow metal was up as much as 1.2% in early trading, and we could get our first weekly rise in the price of gold in four weeks. Um, I was looking at some analysis. Demand for physical gold and silver is actually pretty robust right now, and there's still strong demand for gold jewelry um, as our Data analyst Tony wrote a couple of weeks ago, it's the managed money in the paper market that's really holding prices down. Uh, I'll link to a article in the show notes page about that. But compared to equities and other assets, bonds, etc., gold has really held up relatively well over the last couple of months, given the strength of the dollar and all the talk that we're getting out of the Fed. As I mentioned, Jerome Powell was out there talking things up again yesterday. He was at a Cato Institute conference, and Powell said the Fed needs to keep going until it gets the job done. And 
it is strongly committed to bringing inflation down. So, you know, it's the same tough guy talk that we've been hearing for the last couple of months. Powell also said he thinks he can do all of this without too much pain. Quote, we think we can avoid the kind of very high social costs that Paul Volcker and the Fed had to bring into play in the 1980s. Okay, so why does he think this? Well, apparently everybody now has great confidence in the Fed's bold actions So the outcome this time is going to be different. You know, is this dude an economist or a psychologist? Actually, I don't think he's either. I think he's a lawyer. But, you know, it sounds to me like he's, uh, it sounds to me like all of this is wishful thinking. And he's praying that this psychobabble is somehow going to overcome the economic reality that we live in. You know, again, it's really the same old song and dance we've heard for months. Um, There's been a lot of talk, but, you know, really not all that much bold action by the Fed. And no, I still don't believe the tough guy act. I think that when the central bank can no longer deny the recession that is slowly gripping the economy, even as I speak, the Fed will pivot. And if it doesn't pivot, you're going to see an economic crash on a scale that we've never seen in this country. So, you know, it's really kind of pick your poison. I guess the question is, when will the Fed pivot? Because obviously, at some point, the Fed's going to pivot. You're not going to have, quote unquote, tight monetary policy forever. So if you believe the rhetoric, they're going to hold their ground. I mean, that's the plan, right? They're going to go 110%. That's Fed math. They're, they're committed. They're going at this inflation. They're in the fight no matter what. Recession, no recession. They're, they're going to do it. But as Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. So will the Fed go down swinging or will the Fed surrender? Now, past history says they'll surrender. They've surrendered every single time since Paul Volcker. That's my bet, surrender. But as I said, if you believe the central bankers, if you actually believe the words that are coming out of their mouths, then you'd better get ready for the mother of all economic depressions because there is no way this bubble economy that is just levered to the hilt, historically high levels of debt, there is no way that it can withstand these interest rates for very long and certainly not more hiking. You know, the housing market is already collapsing. The stock market is on a significant downward trajectory. The uh, bear market rally we saw a couple of months ago, notwithstanding. It's getting dicey out there, right? So if we do have the mother of all depressions, the Fed will certainly go back to QE and slash interest rates. So that's going to happen. The only question is, how long will they wait? So, speaking of the Fed, I learned something pretty interesting this week. Did you know that the Fed can lose money? It hasn't happened since the earliest days of the bank, but it's about to happen. Now, I'm going to explain the dynamics here. I think this is pretty interesting, and it shows you just how weird this entire system is, how jacked up it is, and how manipulated it is uh, by the powers that be. So the Federal Reserve earns interest income from all of the bonds that it holds on its balance sheet, right? It buys all of these treasury bonds. It buys um, mortgage-backed securities. Those throw off interest. So that's income to the Fed. It's earning money on all of these quote-unquote investments. It also collects fees for the services that it provides. So the, the 
central bank is a revenue generating thing. Most of the Fed operating profit is remitted to the U.S. Treasury under federal law. So it makes a bunch of money. At the end of the year, it sends all of its profits back to the U.S. Treasury. That money becomes part of the federal government's operating budget. In other words, the central bank serves as a revenue source for Uncle Sam. In 2020, uh, 2021, the central bank reported a net income of $107.8 billion, and it sent $107.4 billion to the U.S. Treasury. So that $107.4 billion actually offset the deficit. It went to kind of pay down the deficit. But as I've already alluded to, it is possible for the Fed to lose money. And in fact, it almost certainly will in fiscal 2023 based on all of the projections. Now, if so, this would be the first operating loss for the Fed since 1915. Now, how does this happen? Well, as you can imagine, the Federal Reserve earns significant income from its massive balance sheet. But of course, it also has expenses. It pays commercial banks interest on the reserve balances that are held at the central bank. It also pays out interest on repo agreements, reverse uh, repurchase agreements. And the Fed also sends out significant dividends to Fed member banks. And of course, it has its own operating expenses, salaries, and all that stuff. Therein lies the rub, as the central bank continues with this tightening process to fight inflation. As the Fed raises interest rates, it increases its own interest expenses, right? It has to pay banks more for the money that it's holding for these banks. But the interest generated by the bonds held on the balance sheet is fixed. You know, if it buys a bond and it has a, a 3% rate, that's the rate that that bond is as long as it's on the balance sheet. So, Interest income isn't going up. Meanwhile, as the Fed decreases the balance sheet through quantitative tightening, it's actually holding fewer and fewer bonds, right? That means even less interest income. So the recent rapid increase in interest rates puts the central bank in a position where they will likely have an operating loss in the next fiscal year. Now, remember, the government is used to getting a big chunk of cash over $100 billion last year, from the Fed every single year to help offset the deficit. So the most obvious impact of this operating loss is the U.S. government will see a reduction in revenue, which will increase the federal budget deficit and ultimately increase the national debt. Given that the U.S. government reaps the benefit of central bank profits, you might think it would also have to bear the burden of any central bank loss. You would actually be thinking wrong. We live in a world where the Federal Reserve gets to make its own accounting rules. Think about that for a second. I have an accounting degree, so I know a little bit about this. There is standard accounting rules. They're standardized for a reason, so you can compare things with each other, right? A balance sheet over here needs to look and operate on the same rules as a balance sheet over here for anything to actually make sense. But the Federal Reserve, no, it gets to make its own rules. And according to its own accounting rules, any net loss magically turns into a deferred asset. I'm not kidding. The Fed literally does an accounting entry, and it creates an imaginary asset that offsets the loss. 
So in basic accounting, if, if you have a balance sheet, assets always equal liabilities plus equity. Those two things balance. The amount of assets will always be equal to liabilities plus equity. Now, in a normal world, a big operating loss necessarily reduces shareholder equity. But in the Fed accounting world, they just balance things out by creating an asset out of thin air and then sticking it on the balance sheet so that everything balances out. Now, it seems absurd. It is absurd. But, I mean, I I don't guess it's any more absurd than printing trillions of dollars out of thin air, right? Think, Think about this for a second. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just make up our own accounting rules Create things out of thin air for the IRS? I mean, I guess you can, but you'll probably end up with a knock on the door by one of these new 87,000 IRS agents that Joe Biden just gave you. Okay, so here's how the Fed explains this. I'm actually going to read the Federal Reserve's explanation. Quote, In the unlikely scenario, I like that they call it unlikely since it's happening. In the unlikely scenario in which realized losses were sufficiently large enough to result in an overall net loss for the reserve banks, the Federal Reserve would still meet its financial obligations to cover operating expenses. In that case, remittances to the Treasury would be suspended. In other words, you're not going to send any more money to Uncle Sam. And a deferred asset would be recorded on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. So under this scheme, an operating loss will not reduce the Fed's reported capital or its surplus. Once the Fed returns to profitability, it will retain profits in order to reduce the amount of this imaginary asset. In other words, the U.S. government's not going to get any money from the Fed until this quote-unquote asset is zeroed out. Then at that point, the Fed will resume sending money to the federal government. So in effect, this means the U.S. government is going to see a reduction in revenue, um, again, resulting in a budget deficit that's going to be higher, other, higher than it otherwise would have been. So here's how the American Institute for Economic Research sums this up. Simple accounting logic suggests that if the federal budget deficit is reduced when the Fed earns revenues in excess of expenses and remits these profits to the U.S. Treasury, Fed losses should increase the reported federal budget deficit, and it will. This is especially true since the Federal Reserve System losses now include the hundreds of millions of dollars of off-budget funding it is required to transfer to run the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. The the Fed actually sends money to this thing. It's not part of the, the net profit loss. It's more accounting gobbledygook. But anyway, if the current accounting rules remain unchallenged, the Congress could pass new legislation requiring the Federal Reserve to fund any number of activities off-budget without any impact on reported federal on the reported federal budget deficit. In other words, Congress could conceivably create some of their own accounting shenanigans in order to make all of this look okay. But the bottom line is, this is ultimately going to be paid for by you and me, or our kids and grandkids. I mean, I don't have to tell you, right, that this is not good news for a government that's already buried in debt and running massive budget deficits month after month after month. When you boil it all down, it just means more borrowing. And borrowed money always has to be paid back. And who pays it back? We do. Gee, thanks. Isn't this lovely? Yeah. 
So this is yet another reason that the Fed is going to find it very difficult to actually win this inflation fight. Raising rates and shrinking the balance sheet to tame the inflation dragon means more pressure on the central bank to prop up the borrow and spend economy. So kind of sum it up. The Fed's not going to send any money to its overlords for a couple of years. The overlords will have to sell more treasury bonds to make up for this lost revenue. And then later on, the Fed's going to have to buy bonds with money created out of thin air to monetize the debt because this borrow and spend system of government will not work without the central bank intervening. So that means that you'll eventually pay for this via the good old inflation tax. So there you go. If you were wondering whether or not this whole central banking thing is a racket, well, now you know. Of course, you knew that already, but further proof, right? So before I wrap up the show, I want to talk a little bit about silver. You know, here's something that I find a bit curious. I'm constantly hearing from folks who tell me that they're not going to buy silver right now, or gold for that matter, because the price is low. But isn't that when you want to buy? I mean, what kind of strategy is buy when the price starts going up? You buy low, right? Everybody knows that the best time to shop is during a big sale. Well, with a spot price under $19 an ounce, silver is a bargain right now. Now, of course, the price could go down a bit more. It could go down a lot more. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball here. But my gut is we're pretty close to the bottom. In fact, the spot price of silver hasn't been this low in over two years. And given silver's fundamentals and the current economic dynamics and the trajectory of the Fed, I think silver still appears very, very oversold. Now, one factor that signals silver is significantly undervalued is the silver-gold ratio. It's over 92 to 1. So that means it takes over 92 ounces of silver to buy one ounce of gold. To give you some perspective, the average in the modern era has been between 40 to 1 and 60 to 1. Now, historically, the ratio has always returned to that mean. And when it does, it usually does it with the vengeance. For instance, the ratio fell to 30 to 1 in 2011, and it was below 20 to 1 in 1979. Now, historically, When the spread gets this wide, silver doesn't just outperform gold once you get into the rally. It goes on a massive run in a really short period of time. Since January 2000, this has happened four times. I'm actually going to put a chart over on the show notes page, shiftgold.com slash news, and it will show you... um, the times that we've seen this big snapback. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, the uh, link to the show notes page is actually in the notes on YouTube. So most recently, in the summer of 2019, the silver-gold ratio climbed to nearly 93 to 1, and right at the onset of the pandemic, it rocketed to over 100 to 1. But as the Fed slashed rates and launched its massive quantitative easing program to uh, deal with the COVID issues, gold rallied, And it took silver with it. So if you look historically, silver typically outperforms gold when you have a gold bull run. This was certainly the case during the pandemic. As gold pushed above $2,000 an ounce, that was the 39% gain, silver rallied to nearly $30 an ounce. That was a 147% increase, again, in a pretty short amount of time. 
at the same time, the silver-gold ratio fell from that 100 to 1 to just over 64 to 1. So it was close to the high end of that historical norm. So with the spread widening again, we could be setting up for another big rally in silver in the relatively near future. Now, as I've discussed, the Fed is currently tightening its monetary policy in order to fight inflation, but the Fed is engaged in a fight the numbers say it cannot win. The economy is already getting shaky. You've talked about this at the top of the show. Despite the Fed's tough talk, it seems likely that the central bank will be forced to pivot back to loose monetary policy to rescue the sagging economy at some point in the future here. So this is the kind of scenario that would spark a significant bull run in both gold and silver. Now, I have to make this very clear. I am not giving investment advice here. I'm not an investment advisor. I'm a trained journalist doing a podcast with some economic knowledge. So this, I'm just telling you here what I'm doing right now. I'm actually buying as much silver as I can while the price is below $20 an ounce. Now, eventually, that silver-gold ratio will narrow. I mean, I can't tell you when, but it's definitely going to happen at some point. This is an anomaly. When that happens, I'm going to cash out my silver. I'm going to buy gold. In other words, I'm going to use this widespread to my advantage. Make me a little money, hopefully. So this is the time to do it, too, because not only are spot prices low, we have silver on sale. Shift Gold is running a nice little promotion right now. It's going to run through Wednesday, September, uh, let's see, I think it's the 14th, September 14th, Wednesday. While this is going on, you can take advantage of the lowest silver spot price in years, and we'll even sweeten the deal with free silver with qualifying orders. Another interesting dynamic that we might see here in the silver market soon with Queen Elizabeth passing away, um, our understanding is that they're going to have to quit minting coins with her face on it. So that means uh, Canadian maple leaves, uh, the uh, the British sterling, uh, I think the uh, Australian kangaroo, all of those coins, they'll stop production on those immediately. Um, so that could create some squeeze in the silver uh, physical silver market and could lead to some higher premiums, especially if you're looking to get coins. So keep that in mind as well. If you want some actual investment advice, I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can do it today. Call 1-888-GOLD-160. You can email them, info at shiftgold.com. You can also go to the Shift Gold page, uh, the, the main webpage, shiftgold.com, and go to the Getting Started. You can chat right there. Um, if you're interested in seeing more details about this silver sale or this promotion, uh, there will be links on the show notes page. Do it today. What do you have to lose? At least talk to these guys. They will look at your situation, your portfolio, your investment goals, your strategies, and talk to you about how precious metals can maybe fit into your investment strategy. So do it today. Again, this promotion runs through Wednesday, so you don't want to miss out on that. Pretty cool deal. So go ahead. Give them a call. And with that, I'm going to call this a gold wrap for the week. Of course, you can get more details on all of the things that I've talked about and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on the YouTube channel. Links to all of this stuff is on the show notes page along with links to our social media sites. 
You can email me, mmahari at shiftgold.com. Love to hear from folks. I hope you have an awesome weekend. And I will be back to talk to you guys next week. See ya.